Well, I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with Chattis Leo today. I really appreciate you being able to share your time. You are the host of an excellent podcast called Our Native Land. Can you uh, give listeners a brief introduction of yourself and the work you do? Absolutely. Yes. Like you said, my name is Chattis Leo, and I am half uh, Indigenous and I'm half South American, Indigenous from the uh, Humalku First Nation, as well as the Stillawamish Tribe of Indians out of Washington, just below us. My mother is South American, uh, both Peruvian and Argentinian, so I'm quite the mix. Uh, and that's about my background. I um, grew up on Vancouver Island. I'm temporarily in Burnaby studying at BCIT broadcasting journalism and uh yes i host a show called our native land through check tv which is an employee-owned company based out of victoria uh and we started the podcast two years ago we just hit our two-year anniversary our 100th episode and uh through that the show focuses on indigenous people culture heritage food anything that is indigenous that i find interesting or deem interesting i want to learn about it so i invite guests on the show just similar to yourself uh, to talk about uh, whatever it is that they do. So that's, in essence, my background, who I am, and what this show's about. Brilliant. How did you get started in communicating with others? Uh, you mentioned journalism is an interest of yours. How did this come about for you? Yeah, absolutely. So you're trying to clarify, uh, like, how did the show come about? Is that correct? No. How did your interest in this field come about? So oh, I... yes. Yeah. Well, it actually started through this show would be be like how I got reinterested. Uh, I started when I was very young, 12 years old. Uh, my mother gave me a video camera and I just wanted to do something with it. And at the same time, uh, a local TV station in Campbell River on Vancouver Island showed up at my high school uh, or middle school, middle school or high school, and uh, said, once in a blue moon, we hire, uh, you know, volunteers or we bring volunteers in, especially students who are interested in TV. And I just got in this video camera. I thought, hey, maybe these two go together. And uh, sure enough, I went and volunteered at the station and just fell in love with the craft right away. Uh, and I did that um, when I was 16, and then eventually they hired me as a associate producer, student associate producer. And from there, Shaw TV bought out the local company, and I worked for Shaw up until I graduated high school and moved to Nanaimo to further my studies. And uh, so the interest kind of dissipated for a while. And then come to uh, March 2020, which a lot of people will have a bit of PTSD when it comes to that date, uh, obviously COVID. Uh, I was uh, managing a restaurant and bar inside of a hotel in Nanaimo. And because it's a hotel, tourism, everything shut down. So that meant my job was no longer. And at that point, I had to make the decision, what is the job that I love the most? Where have I gone where I didn't feel like I was working a day in my life? And it was the TV station. So sure enough, I started trying to reach out. Uh, at that time, Check had a posting uh, for a TV personality. Didn't quite get that position, uh, but they found me uh, intriguing, for lack of the better word. Uh, and sure enough, um, you know, rolled to uh, about a few months after making initial contact with them. They opened up a podcast booth and they asked me if I could be the first podcast on that on uh, on the TV station. I said, absolutely. And then through that podcasting, I was like, I want to do more of this. How can I do more of this? And I knew, uh, you know, looked into it. BCIT, a broadcasting journalism program in Burnaby is fantastic. You know, most, a lot of the journalists you see on TV right now have gone to this exact school and are extremely successful. Uh, so I had to make the change and and leave 
my family temporarily uh, to pursue this dream. So in, in long form, that's how I got here. Fascinating. Can you tell us about the podcast? What was yes, the podcast. your idea for it? Um, how did it come about for you? What was your vision for it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the crazy thing when you start a podcast. And I'll be perfectly honest, when I heard a podcast, I I I hadn't listened to one yet when I had the offer. So at that point, it's like, okay, now I need to figure out what podcasting is. So, but make it my own. So uh, what I did is uh, we just needed to kind of construct an idea. I worked with the uh, general manager, Rob Germain, um, who I owe a great uh, debt of gratitude to my success to. Um, and we wanted to do something indigenous focused. And I like talking to people. I love interviewing people. I used to have a an old radio show back in the day at CHOY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo when I was going to school or the first time. And I did a similar format of just like calling people in and, and talking to them and finding out more about them. And I felt like there needs to be a, a platform to do this or more platforms to do this. And check obviously having a, a fairly large reach across, a, you know, Vancouver Island, BC and Western Canada. Uh, I thought it was just, I thought like all the stars aligned, it was just the right thing to do, right? Brilliant. And how do you go about selecting guests? Is that completely up to you? How do you think about choosing who you want to speak with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's evolved for sure. Like uh, when I first started and you're starting to show and you have, you supposedly have zero listeners, uh, you know, and reaching out to people and be like, hey, do you want to be on this show that doesn't exist yet? Uh, so you really got to like battle and email and explain and, and like really put out yourself out there. So it was a lot of just thinking of, okay, what do I find interesting? What do I find um compelling to me and then i find an indigenous version of that so uh you know like as recently as is just last week i interviewed a micro wrestler so i like i used to watch a lot of wrestling uh, when i was younger i was like maybe there's an indigenous wrestler out there found a, a a little uh person wrestler is how he likes to be referred to and just like that i have him on the show so it's really fluid to what i want to learn and then i find an indigenous version of that and then hopefully the guests um and uh, guests get to teach me something new and hopefully the listeners enjoy learning with me which is i think the the basis of it now because the show is being quite successful i just get a lot of emails and suggestions of people who want to be on the show or they have agents who will email me and say hey can you have this person on so now with the popularity i, I can kind of pick you know what what i want to have on the show who i want to have on the show rather and how do you approach it? Do you go in with a list of questions and say, this is what I want to ask about? Or do you let it free flow? How do you kind of approach that preparation part of the interview? Mm -hmm. I think people would notice kind of in, within the early first year of uh, the show that I was a bit more, I'm, I'm just going to say I was a bit more prepared, uh, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So I was, I was prepared and like I had questions and I wanted to stick to my questions, especially when you're doing journalism, you really want to get those points across so you can make this story happen, right? But uh, podcasting has this fluidity to it, just like your show, where it's like it's a conversation. So I found myself that I was so curious about these guests that I knew that as time goes by that I'm just going to get more comfortable with myself uh, and the guests and that I was just going to go in and just ask questions. So to be honest, you know, if a little behind the scenes answer for that is I really don't write my questions down. I really like to engage in the conversation I'm having with somebody because I find myself 
you know, if I got these questions listed and and uh, they answer my last question, I should be diving in more if I find it interesting. Instead, I would just hit that question and it was fairly irrelevant to the conversation. So I find some of the best podcasts that I even like to listen to. They're just, you know, very loose and groovy and, and friendly and and has this fluid feel to it. You mentioned journalism, and I'm just curious, how do you think about the responsibility to ask the tough follow-up? That's, I think, the art where we get into a bit more detail when you're having individuals on who hold a stature in our community, who have responsibilities. How do you like to approach that when you're thinking, okay, this person's maybe giving a, a vanilla answer, something very safe. Do you feel an obligation to to do a follow-up, or how do you kind of think about that process? Yeah, that's that's very interesting too because I've been criticized um online for being uh vanilla with my questions. Uh so um you know like a perfect example is with with John Horgan uh I had on the show a few months back now and the you know there, there's a lot of people that have a lot of hard questions that they want to ask a politician and and you may never get to sit in front of that politician and ask those hard questions. Um and maybe if I was a podcast where I wasn't part of a news situation where I'm studying to be a journalist and like I have to ask questions that are hard but I also have to ask questions that are fair and neutral and and make sure that it's in the interest of 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 all listeners all Canadians right so um I do like to ask hard questions it just depends on who it is right and surprisingly enough a lot of those hard questions I don't ask politicians sometimes I ask hard questions to uh, an artist or or um you know an activist or that kind of thing so the I find the hard questions more compelling um, to, you know, that people that are politicians, right? Because I think hard questions tend to really be veered towards them. And I think there's other shows for that. There's other people that do that really well. And I'll do that in my journalistic career. But I like I like how I ask questions. And, and some of the hardest questions I've ever asked, and I've said this on another podcast before, I'll just ask, why should people care? Or why should I care? And it sounds a little rude, and I haven't been punched out yet, but um, it really brings out passion in people, and it would bring it out of me too. So I like I, I like to ask what I would like to be asked, and those hard questions sometimes are 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 to those people, and they really they really get to to demonstrate their true self. That's I know I answer that very long and complicated, but uh, that's that's how I can answer that. That's why I like your perspective on it because I find myself thinking about what I actually want to talk about and trying to hold to that line could be impacted by individuals who want certain questions asked that you're just not interested in. And maybe it's an issue that's not personal to you. So it's not your issue to raise and it's not a fight you want to, you want to battle. And so it is a line to walk though, as you grow and as you reach more people that there are certain topics you can't veer away from. You need to, um, as the host, manage that. And it's something that fascinates me because it's the art of being a journalist. How do you make sure that you're fair, you don't go too hard, but you make sure that you hold your own integrity in line as the host? And so that's why I was interested in your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's you, you, could, I, you took words right in my, my mouth. It's like, how do I find that integrity, but also be myself because obviously as a human being I have an opinion I have you know I can vote you know I can do all these things right but I'm also trying to build a career uh where people can trust that I'm getting both sides of the story that I'm really trying to make sure that if I'm going to do a story that 
everybody's voice or at least the perspective of of what the story is gets told in such a way uh that that both you know both sides of the story are, are told and it's 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 a real challenge and i think i will struggle with it as long as i have a podcast that i can again have roughly my opinion and and uh, my guest's opinion and then also be able to be on the news and and be critical is i think i don't think that challenge will go away to be honest when you think about interviewing, it can seem like it's only for a podcast or it's only for the news, but you're actually learning how to have a conversation with another person. And it's shocking to me to start to see other people really struggle with that. Like you can see when the conversation dies down or when there there isn't a, a good follow-up from the other person on what's going on in the world or, or their thoughts on things. So yeah. I'm interested, how has this kind of shaped your ability to communicate with other people? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm going to first back up that question and let you know how I was able to do this in the first place that I used to sell cars. And you got to have this level of confidence to sell cars. uh, And that people skill from there helped me do what I do now, which is the the confidence to talk to people, ask the questions hard or not. Um, So that's kind of where that came from. Now, in regards to how it's changed me now, I mean, obviously, it's it's helped me develop a you know a, a, an early career in journalism, uh, but I think it it makes me more of a critical thinker. It made me look at um, you know look at life in a different way. Uh, really, and again, focusing on my background, uh, you know, from my father's side, which is indigenous, and the focus on that really. Uh, open my eyes to issues uh, with our people and our community from Vancouver Island and abroad. So I think it's opened my eyes. It's opened my heart. It's made me compassionate for more people doing different things. You know, it's just, it gives you, it kind of takes over, you know, like I can't, I can't just, you know, keep to myself when I'm doing this. I, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the job is to get out and, and pull information from people and hopefully um it shows that i care and and the listeners and viewers can can care as much as i do right how do you go about improving do you have a process in which you think about how you want to make changes or or where you want to take things or um like you mentioned the john horgan interview did you take things away from that did you sit with that for a while and think about what you might have done differently or did you try and block that out how do you kind of process the journey that is because i remember my first interview to now it looks nothing the same but every interview it's like should i have asked that did i use filler words how do i think about that issue should i have uh done more research there how do you kind of go through the process of each episode and, and the incremental growth that you go through yeah, totally. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? You know, um, I mean, back in the day, I would say within the first year, I really was uh, critical, and we could say too critical, especially because we are our own worst critic. Um, I spent a lot of time really like, I should have asked that. Why didn't I ask this? Or, or you know, the, and you know what? You can, unfortunately, just can't go back. And and then you learn over time that like, okay, that's where the the list became shorter, where I had less questions. And then through those less questions, the questions got better because they came from the heart and the soul and, and less from paper and, and researching. And I find like, if I want to research somebody, I, I try and do it very briefly. I don't let, you know, Google formulate my opinion too much, except for the basics. Right. Um, so over time, I think the, the confidence, it just keeps getting better because people, will respond, right? You know, I have friends who will 
tell me about the journey I've had and, and how they've seen the changes. And I'll have um, guests that have said they've seen improvements and 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 listeners that will write in or, or comment online uh, with their appreciation. And I think if you got a good, uh, you know, fan base that enjoys your show, they're really going to dictate how you feel, how you improve, because those compliments and stuff they say they like is going to how you you're going to hone that right and another way that i like to improve is i like to take the show on the road because it throws you off right there's this comfort that mean you have of just sitting here with a mic and headphones um but i like to throw it off i like to go out you know i just recently got back from the yukon and i think i'm getting you know three four episodes out of that um so it's a great listen but it's also even a better watch so um challenging myself is also a, a huge improvement for me is there someone that stands out to you that you really learned something from? It's not fair to host to say, which is your favorite guest, but is there somebody who stands out to you where you really took something away from the interview, where you walked away with a new perspective? Um, yes, I've had this as, uh, this question asked before in, in, in similar ways, um, in different ways, sorry. Um, the one that I thought about recently that I haven't mentioned before is Art Napoleon. And he is a fantastic TV host producer uh, through APTN. uh, And he has his uh, Moose Meat and Marmalade episode, or sorry, TV show that he does. And he travels the world hunting, cooking with a French trained chef. And it's a beautiful dynamic. Anyways, his work ethic uh, is what stood out for me. And the way he carries himself, um, how he's done everything with dignity and grace and and done it the right way. Because, you know, there's, there's ways how people can can get, you know, you know, uh, improve and, and maybe not, it's not necessarily the right road, right? You know, sometimes you, you take the easy one and, uh, you know, sometimes roads are hard and it looks like he had, um, you know, an incredible journey and he's still, uh, producing and doing that show to the day. It's really hard to answer that because, you know, like I said, every guest uh, is inspiring in their own way and they're there for a reason. But I think art in particular really show me that like, just keep going, right? You know, he's he's it's definitely in his, you know, he seems in his uh in his um I'd say in his early to late fifties, uh, and he's still going strong and and uh you know his success maybe came later in life, but you know, he's an incredible story and an inspiration for me personally. Interesting. You've mentioned journalism. What where do you hope to take that? There's a certain value that I don't think we give journalists. They inform us, they give us an ability to understand issues on a deeper level. They give us different perspectives to draw from when we're talking about an issue. What pulled you in that direction? What made you want to sign up with BCIT? What's pulling you in that direction? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Now I, I've mentioned this in a lot of podcasts, and I'll continue to do so because it's, the, it's my truth: is that I, I, I really want to be a reporter that happens to be Indigenous and and does focus on Indigenous stories, but other stories as well. I don't tend to be an Indigenous reporter because I there's there's a time and place for that, and there's a person for that. You know, Wamish Hamilton is a huge inspiration out of CBC Vancouver. Amazing human being, does amazing work, and he really focuses on Indigenous stories. I want to be. I want to do those, but I want to be able to expand and grow and show that Indigenous people can do all stories. And so can other people too. Other people can do Indigenous stories properly because there's not enough of us. And that's the biggest goal is like, I don't think there's enough of us and I want there to be more. And so why not me? Why why not I try? Why not I give it a shot and see if I can do it and get more Indigenous people 
on the screen. More people that when I was young looking at TV, like, like, you know, some amazing anchors and amazing reporters. And I'd like, none of them look like me. Right. And I think that's, there's a huge global shift for that. And it's going really, really well, in my opinion. And I just want, I want to be a part of that wave. I just want to be, I want to be doing that. And I want hopefully some young indigenous kid or, or young South American kid sees me and, and, and hope that he can do the same. And I, I hope he does or she does or whoever, however they identify does. Interesting. That is the challenge, right? Is becoming like typecast and having an audience or a viewpoint that you're supposed to provide everybody where you're a multifaceted person with different interests and complexities and nuanced views on certain issues. Like you're not a person reporting on a type of issue. That's true. And like I said, that's okay. That's just not me. And there's going to be other people that can do that. But I, I think I think I like I like being that diverse and I'll be I'll admit there's been times where I've just done, you know, like story after story and it's been all indigenous. And I'm like, am I getting put in this corner or like and I'm not I'm just I'm just not realizing that I'm gravitating towards those stories. Right. Um, And that it's it's me doing it, Um, you know, and I think a lot of people get a little scared of tokenism and this type of thing, which is a whole other topic. But uh, in the sense, it's like I'm embracing it now and I love it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to do indigenous stories and all stories uh, alike. I I just I I can't wait. I've I've gotten started, obviously, through school, but, uh, you know, school is going to be on its way out soon and and uh, hopefully full time in the field. What interests you about the practice of journalism, the philosophy, the responsibilities, the role they play in our society? Is there something about that that stands out for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it does. And it might not be as philosophical as you'd hope, but uh, there is, there's something to be said about storytelling, right? There's so many different versions of it. Um, you know, there's books, there's, uh, there's poetry, you know, there's, there's all these very arti- traditional artistic avenues of storytelling. And I truly think that this is one of my art forms, or at least journalists have this type of way of, of constructing a story um, and, and doing it in a way where it's informative. Uh, it can be beautiful. It can be sad. It can be angry. It could be, it could be so many things. It could be all of the human emotions in, in one go. And I think that that's what attracted me to it is that it's it's this art form that can be, um, you know, not that all art forms are useful, but it could be our f- very useful art form on a daily basis, uh, on a weekly basis, monthly basis, hourly basis, right? And I just, something about that um, attracted me to it. And I just, I just love it. I don't know if I actually answered your question. You properly, did. But... And it was much more philosophical than you gave yourself credit for. Um, <laughs> okay, good. I, and I couldn't agree more when, when the Fraser Valley floods happened, we got to see the Fraser Valley current, which is a, a very unique news source, in my opinion, really deliver for people. And people actually left their homes based on the advice of the Fraser Valley current before there were actual people saying, you need to leave your homes. <laughs> they were saying, this is, looks like what's going to happen. You should probably evacuate or get ready to evacuate. The, the evacuation order is coming soon. Yeah. And people made decisions and seeing people's posts saying, I wouldn't have gotten out of my house on time. I wouldn't have been in the circumstance. I would have lost more had I not read your article. Shows yeah. the impact that it can have in those ser- serious moments. And that's, a, yeah, like the power of journalism is where that comes into play. Like, like it could be as small as changing one person's life, you know? 
And it could be as simple as like, I'm going to use example, like uh, Joe Perkins, uh, the six o'clock weekday anchor for check TV. Uh, he does um, like uh, an eating, uh, like, um, Oh my God, I'm forget forgetting the name, but it's a, it's a segment that where they go, he goes and tries a different restaurant somewhere in Vancouver Island every single week. And just popping into that one store and having a really good sandwich and telling everybody about it, all of a sudden that business owner's life just blows up and everybody loves it. And it's just, it's changed a life. So it can change as little as one life or thousands of people in the Fraser Valley when there's a flood. And that's also one thing I love about it because it, it just like you feel helpful. Like how nice, I think a lot of us want that as human beings of like go to, if I'm going to go to work, how, who am I helping? Do they appreciate it? Uh, am I making a difference? All these things come to play as human beings for most of us. And I think journalism kind of ticks those boxes off, at least for me. Absolutely. You've talked about using your voice and sharing it. Do you have advice for people? I find that that first step seems to be the hardest for so many to to develop their voice and share their ideas. I just uh, interviewed a person who is very passionate about whiskey, and he had never started a YouTube channel. He didn't. He knows so much, yet he didn't have the confidence to take that step and start sharing it on his own platform where he's sharing his ideas. Now. Um, a couple months later, he's got his YouTube channel up and running. It's getting thousands of views every day, and he's got new posts, and it's doing really well. But you can see for people that taking that first step and taking the risk on themselves can be the most daunting part of the whole process. Once you're in it, it's just about improving it. But that first step is the hardest. Do you have any advice for people who are struggling with that, who are hesitant to take their first step? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say, like, there is this fear, of course, of just putting yourself out there. So get a close group of friends and family and then have a little have a little premiere is what I would suggest. Like do what you think you want to do and then bring in the people that you trust the most. People that people that have been there no matter what. People that truly believe in you. And then they're going to be the most honest, right? And they'll be they'll be like the cream of the crop of opinions of like what works, what doesn't work. Obviously, if you're so passionate and you know it's right and everybody tells you it's wrong and it's, you know, not a crime, like try it anyways. But if you really feel like you got that close community or group of friends or family that might give you that first like premiere kind of like, you know, what works, what doesn't work, then maybe just maybe they can give you that confidence to go the next step and and post it. And that's the thing. Once you hit post it's out there, right? It's uh, it's an incredible feeling uh, when you first start. Uh, and it's, again, all of the human emotions of like scared, angry, happy, a little sad if it goes wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, even for me, like the show was two years ago. So I would have been like approaching 29 years old and having to like get on Instagram and, and like be active every day. And I know, I know even a year ago, I did you know, opened up a TikTok account and especially uh, people that aren't growing up in that generation of like social media all the time, every day. It's scary. So I understand. Yeah, absolutely. It is one of the most difficult things to do when you're a, a thoughtful thinking person to be on some of those platforms and, and try and communicate and trying to, uh, to build a level of communication with people. Exactly. And it's a, for me, it's a fine balance because I want people to like 
enjoy my character and who I am and a bit of my opinion and my personality. But the main focus is always the guest, right? So like, I really want people to, it's like posting in a way where it's like, okay, this guy's kind of cool, but this person's cooler, right? So it's just that fine line of, of like uh, posting in a way where I'm hopefully attracting an audience and then hopefully that audience is paying attention to who I'm talking to. Well, I'll turn it on its head then. Why should people care? Why should people tune in to the Our Native Land podcast? I love it. I was kind of expecting you to do that at some point. I thought it was right away. But anyways, why should people care? Great question. I think people should care because we're in such a critical time in Canadian history where Indigenous issues are a top of mind, uh, top of the news. And, you know, it should have been this way a long time ago. Um, it is just now that... Indigenous communities are building the trust again and rebuilding the building blocks with um, TV stations, newspapers, radio stations, because there was a there was a a time where if they did do an interview, it didn't go their way and it would get published incorrectly and it would be false information and it wouldn't make Indigenous people look good. And um, and then that communication was just lost. So we're just at such a critical point where People are building enough trust to speak their truth, tell their story. And obviously I'm Indigenous and there's a bit of trust involved when I ask, but this goes for all platforms and every broadcaster out there. They're really, we're really, like for lack of a better, we're, come, we're coming out of the woods and we're, we're ready to tell our story for the most of us. Uh, and that's, you know, if I could just be, I'm trying not to get emotional, sorry. Um, if I could just be one little needle in the haystack of what reconciliation is for this country, then, uh, you know, hopefully, I mean, that'll make me happy. And hopefully it makes, you know, the listeners and the viewers happy and hopefully it makes the person who I'm interviewing feel feel like they're doing the same thing, too. That's incredibly beautiful. What can Thanks. we expect in the next in the next year, in the next couple of weeks, what what can listeners expect to to tune into? Yeah, well, there's a there's a lot going on. As of recently, the um, the podcast last year won uh, most outstanding Indigenous podcast of the year uh, from the Canadian Podcast Award. So that was the biggest thing, and that's given us uh, you know more people are listening, tuning in because of that, and that's fantastic. So that that is the most recent thing that's um, I guess came up, uh, and then. Um, you know, right now um, I'm looking to finish my journalism program and be full-time Victoria. So uh, viewers uh, can expect, for people that watch the show, will expect me in studio a lot more, which I find I get sometimes really, really good conversations out of people when it's in person, obviously, as opposed to Zoom. Nothing wrong with Zoom. I do it all the time, too. But there is that there's that feeling yeah. of in person that's really unique. Um, so people can expect that. Uh, the episodes from lower posts are going up to the Yukon. Uh, people should be expecting that, uh, you know, in, in later in the in the year. Um, what topics are be, covered? Sorry? What topics are covered for those? Oh, well, I go up to lower post and I, I spend a lot of time with the community and Deputy Chief Harlan Schilling. And uh, this community is having a multiplex rebuilt because up until very recently, this community uh, was doing all of their... Uh, functions out of the old residential school building. So you can imagine elders and workers having to go in and get their mail or go to the gym or or work out of a residential school building that hurt these people. 
So eventually the building got torn down and the federal government, provincial government have put a lot of money into this to rebuild this for the community. So I went up there and investigate, uh, talk to the people in the community, check out the building's process. Um, we went on a bison hunt and got a bison. Huh. Uh, we went to the hot springs and uh, went to the traditional hot springs where the, the casket people used to go, uh, even now ago. And, uh, we, I played hockey on ice for the first time in 15 years and played with a whole bunch of Indigenous people uh, on the ice. So, like, there's so much going on. I'm probably missing, like, half the stuff we did. But those were the big things that we did. And so I'm going to be turning that into more of a documentary style and then split it up for TV for episodes. But I'm hoping to hoping to get this in more of a documentary format and, and really make it something special. That's beautiful. How can people connect with you? Absolutely. Thanks so much. Um, yeah. So the best way, there's a bunch of ways to watch and listen. Obviously, listen just like your podcast. You can get it wherever you download your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, people can watch it on the Check Plus app as well, too. Uh, it's kind of like a Netflix app but for Check. You can download it on most of your smart devices and watch it there. So there's lots of ways to do that. And to follow me, the best way is I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's kind of my favorite platform. So uh, that's at Chattis underscore Leo. So T-C-H-A-D-A-S underscore Leo. And that's where I post most of our stuff. And we also have a pretty good uh, following on Facebook if you type our Native Land podcast. Brilliant. I have been a follower for some time now. I really appreciate your ability to um, communicate with people. I definitely agree that in-person is much better, more conducive to a real conversation. Uh, but these Zoom allows us to connect when we're not nearby. Uh, it allows the opportunity to hear from new people. It's such a pleasure to connect with you and get your insights on how you think about some of these um, maybe more unique issues to, to individuals like ourselves, but incredibly valuable for me to think about issues differently. Uh, I find individuals like yourself really inspirational because you're involved in so much and you're eager for new opportunities and to try new things. And I'm just incredibly grateful to look out and see individuals like yourself doing the great work you're doing. So I appreciate all of your time and your willingness to uh, to hop on and have a conversation today. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a fan of the show. And, and I'm excited to dive into your episodes and learn about all the amazing people that you've been interviewing as well, too. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Hopefully you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, and I really, again, just appreciate your time.